You're listening to Raising Little People, the podcast for parents by early years professionals. Your hosts at the Bilingual Day Nursery are here to support and guide you into the wonderful world of children and help you to see the world through a child's eyes. Estás escuchando Raising Little People, el podcast para padres de profesionales de educación infantil. Sus anfitriones en la guardería bilingüe están aquí para apoyarlo y guiarlo en el maravilloso mundo de los niños y ayudarlo a ver el mundo a través de los ojos de un niño. On this episode, we're going to be speaking to Joe about returning to exercise postnatally, how and when to do that safely. Joe, we know you've spoken to us before, but for those that haven't heard your previous episode, could you just introduce yourself briefly? Yeah, so I'm a specialist in pregnancy and postnatal fitness, and actually, not on purpose, but by chance, I happen to be wearing my branded uh, hoodie today, so it's called Zest for Life UK. Um, oh gosh, I've been doing it for probably about, well, I trained in 2008, so it's been a while I've been doing this, and I still love it, yeah. Perfect. So for this uh, particular podcast, we actually asked out to our social media followers to send in their questions specific to postnatal exercise. So I'll run through some of those with you and get your opinion and advice on them. So the first one that came up, which was a really, really popular question was when is it safe to start running again? Oh yeah, okay. So this is really common. I get asked this a lot. I even last week had that conversation with somebody. Um, so uh, basically, you want to try and hang back from impact work for as long as you can you can hold yourself back from it um so people often say well I mean, it's only a light jog you know um but a jog is still different from a walk in that every single step that you take is impact through your joints and through your pelvic floor so this is really unpopular when i say this uh but we're talking kind of like five months postpartum but there are some caveats so um so people who have like a really good movement pattern so for example say I get quite a lot of people who are athletes and they you know they're very very they have an economy of movement they're very efficient when it comes to uh, running and they will probably fare better than somebody who thinks right I'm, I'm postnatal I really really want to shift some baby weight so I'm going to run and they don't have like really good technique uh they, they're gonna that's gonna be worse for, it's basically pelvic floor it's uh, the pelvic floor needs time to recover it's had pressure through it for nine months and then if you've had a vaginal birth of course then there's that as well and you might have had forceps etc so you can start to test I know a lot of people feel they can't kind of like hold themselves at the thought of five to six months is just like off the scale awful to them so you can kind of like test things I would say at about four months postpartum uh, not if you've had a c-section I, I really wouldn't advise that or if you've had like a third degree tear or something like that again you've got to use your common sense uh, but say you've had like a, a, a birth that has gone well and you're feeling good see how it goes but do your pelvic floor exercises uh you know start those those that's the very first exercise that you can start postpartum so if you want to be running and not wetting yourself then you know start those exercises postpartum immediately 
build things up in those weeks and months prior to, to testing the water. And then I would start in a really, um, in a really gentle manner. So I think quite a good way of doing it would be to do the couch to 5k program and actually follow it. Because although I'm, I'm not a runner, but uh, it, you know, it appears to be very measured how they build it up and logical in that you start off with literally just a few seconds of running, followed by a few seconds of walking and you just keep alternating and then you gradually increase the length of the running bit. And that to me makes sense. And then you have to use uh, your judgment. So if you run uh, or even jog and you can feel like you need to dash to the toilet, then that's a real indication that you need to hang back, do some more pelvic floor work, and in the meantime, do something that's low impact. And sometimes you might find that initially it feels okay, but then as you build up the distance, uh, you start to feel it in your pelvic floor. Yeah, and, and it is, it's that feeling that you, you want to like wet yourself. You know, you gotta be very careful with that. You don't, you don't wanna, you're better off waiting than causing that kind of stress incontinence. That's not great, yeah? Okay, thank you. So you you touched a little bit on um, one of the next questions really, which another, another popular one that came in was, how can I get my pelvic floor to be strong again? You need to you need to sort of set a baseline. So you need to start off, it's like with any, any form of strengthening work, you need to know where you're at. So there are a few tests, um, things that you can do initially, um, quite, quite early on postpartum, not like within the next few days after giving birth, because you'll just, it'll just like make you feel miserable. But um, one thing would be, and this is just a one-off, uh, please do not do it frequently. Uh, you'd only ever do it maybe once every six to eight weeks. Just check that you can stop your urine in mid-flow. Okay, so that's the first thing. Um, that you can check postpartum. If, if it doesn't want to stop immediately, then that's a sign that your pelvic floor is weak, okay? So that's just one, but as I say, don't do that regularly. Secondly, you can start to just check what your baseline is. Otherwise, you've got no measure of improvement. So you can have a go to see how long you can hold your pelvic floor, but literally time it, yeah, with your phone, see how long you can hold your pelvic floor pull up for. And you might find that postpartum, you can only hold, uh, depending on how, what kind of birth you've had, you might only be able to hold your pelvic floor um, contraction for maybe two seconds mm -hmm. or three mm -hmm. seconds but that's giving you your baseline. Then you check how many reps, say it was two seconds, you would then see how many reps you can perform of two seconds long. And it might be that you can do two seconds four times. Yeah, and then you've, you've set your baseline. Then you do the fast, you need to do your slow pelvic floor pull-ups and your fast ones. Again, with the fast ones, you check how many reps you can do um, postpartum, where the last rep is as strong as the first rep. Now that's a sort of um, a way of doing it, sort of a DIY method. There are there are some pretty good products out there now. So um, I mean, one of the biggest problems is compliance. You know, pelvic flex exercises are unbelievably boring, and because we can't actually we can feel the results if we work really hard, but we can't see the results. It's not like you know losing shedding. The baby weight because you can see that and that's motivating with the pelvic floor there's, there's nothing physically to show for it and so with compliance there are some 
there's a product called Elvi, uh, which uh, which kind of turns pelvic floor exercises into a game. So Elvi is spelled E-L-V-I-E, okay? And it turns, it's like an app on your phone and it's a contraption that you have to actually put inside you. Um, and it measures the strength on your screen in real time. It measures the strength of your pelvic floor pull-up. So you know the way I said that you can, you can actually check how long you can hold up for. This will actually check where you're at and it will pop up like a, like a line on your phone. Like it'll, as you pull up, it'll kind of go up like a graph and, and then back down as, as you let go. And, and so it's measuring the strength of your pelvic floor pull-up. And then what it does is it turns it into a kind of game. So if you're kind of quite competitive, you'll be wanting to kind of reach that level or exceed it every time you do your pelvic floor contraction. Yeah, so it's a, at least you're getting a little bit of visual feedback there. And, and then you can see how you build up. So that's, I mean, it's not cheap as a product um, because, it, you know, it, it's, it's, that's quite a complicated device. And as I say, it's it Bluetooth to your phone, et cetera. But I think bearing in mind that compliance is a real problem, uh, and I speak from personal experience, I'm terrible with pelvic floor exercises, then I think that, that that's a good idea. And there's another product, and I know the founder, um, Julie Collian, um, and it's called Secret Whispers, and you could look up, people could look up that as well. And that that is a completely different sort of product, um, but it's got uh, weights, basically, like weight training for your pelvic floor, and you gradually can, as you, increase your strength you gradually increase the the weight size and you reduce the size of the actual contraction that goes inside you so you know pelvic floor is is difficult because it's one of those things that you know we kind of with gay abandon say oh and you have to do them forever after and and yet they're boring but they're really really important because they're the complete foundation of your fitness that and your core if you if you miss out that layer then you're setting yourself up for problems later on okay thank you um another question then that came in was when can i start my normal exercising again after giving birth and is it different if i've had a c-section yes um yes to the second question so okay so um if you've had a completely if you've had a, a, a straightforward delivery um and you know you feel absolutely fine you've had your six-week checkup which i have to warn people the six-week checkup i mean at the moment with covid it's frequently just done as a phone call so they're not actually physically checking you they're just asking you a few, a few questions but even prior to COVID, uh, when people were actually going to the GP or to a nurse for, for the checkup, it, it is very much these days, and it wasn't 10 years ago, but these days it's very much, they want to check uh, your mental well-being, so they're trying to see how you're feeling emotionally, uh, whereas we need to know, for exercise, we need to know how you are physically, which is, by the way, why I do that free postnatal apps check for people and I go through all of this with them and I do that just for people to know it's I'm doing it on Zoom at the moment so you can literally join wherever you are and then do it on the first Monday of every month at 10 30 in the morning so people are very welcome to join that and I will go through how to check your normal 
levels. But basically, once you've had your six-week checkup, and if you've had a normal delivery, you've been given the green light by your GP, and you feel like going for it, then you can start your exercise, but with modifications depending on what you're doing. So, for example, the runners, I would much rather you did something that was not impact. But there are a whole bunch of other forms of exercise that, um, yeah, you can build up. Uh, so swimming, you need to wait until, or anything water-based, you need to wait until you, there's no more discharge. Uh, otherwise, I mean, discharge would be an indication, you know, things haven't fully healed internally, so you want to get an infection. Um, so, but things like, say, um, weightlifting, uh, you know, Normal gym stuff, um, as long as you don't go all out and dive in at the deep end of it and lift, you know, power lift something super heavy, you're absolutely fine. You know, if this is low impact, you can do spin, uh, spinning classes, you know, where you're, you know, that's a static bike, cycling, you know, no impact there. There's loads of stuff that you can do right from that six, after that six week checkup. But if you've had a C section, you need to wait for everything to heal up. And you have to remember that internal healing takes longer than external. So you need to wait nine plus weeks as part of for that. But that doesn't mean that you can't start moving. Yeah, you can definitely start moving and becoming physically active. And I'm definitely encourage that. By the way, doing pelvic floor exercises will help speed up the recovery of a C-section because it encourages the blood flow to that area and that in turn healing so that's something to bear in mind likewise if you've had um you know if you've had an episiotomy or if you've had tearing pelvic floor exercises will help with the healing of of those wounds um, and again if you have had uh, a tearing or an episiotomy you have to wait to see how you feel you know you don't want to be doing exercise um there's no hard and fast rule as to when you can start other than the six-week checkup but, you know, if you start doing something and you can feel tracking, pulling and discomfort, then, you know, that's your body saying, no, thank you. Same with a C-section. I say nine weeks. But, you know, if you feel pulling, and you might find that some exercises are fine, but then you do some kind of abs-related exercise and you can feel it pulling internally or dragging and it's not a nice feeling, listen to it. Just don't do that exercise. Do something else. Yeah. Okay, so I think really on that one, it's about using your common sense and listening to what your body's saying. I guess similarly to when when you're pregnant, really same sort of concept of if it's pulling or it's hurting or you don't feel that it's right, then it probably isn't doing you any good. Definitely. And I mean, it's the, the danger is when you get some people, and I, I really get it uh, because I'd probably be that kind of person who sort of thinks I'm just going to power through this, you know, and I think, you know, with sort of age, I've, I've sort of discovered that powering through things doesn't always have the right effect, you know, and certainly postpartum is not always a good idea. So, yeah, you best start listening to what your body's telling you. Okay. So you touched a little bit on the next question, um, but a couple of people were asking, how do I know if I've got ab separation? And if I've got that, how can I fix it? Yes, okay, so abdominal separation, there's a way of checking it. Um, I can't, I, you know, I could show you physically how to do it now. I need to, I'd have to get onto the floor and, and sort of like hold the camera up above me. 
uh, but this is what I go through, by the way, you know, when I do the um, the outs checkup, um, or I'm doing it via Zoom, but I, I literally explain to people and I get them to put the camera above their, above their apps and we just work our way through it. You take readings, basically you use your fingers uh, widthwise, so not, not lengthwise down, down the apps. The apps separate out that way, and we're checking how many fingers we can fit into that gap, if there is a gap that is. And um, the way you do it is you do the reading above the belly button, down the belly button, below. And you, when you're lying down on your back, you place your fingers in position, and then you, you do effectively a, like a small sit-up move, so a bit of a crunch, and then you have a little feel around it. You know, when you're used to it, I mean, I've felt literally hundreds and hundreds of abs, people's abs, and, and you get used to, you know, sort of like feeling knowing what you're, you're looking for. So yeah, you're looking for the degree of separation, which is the width of the gap, and we measure it because it's in one finger can fit in the gap, and wiggle around if you go to two, three, four. And, um, and then more importantly, the, the people get very hung up on the actual size of the gap, but the reality is that what counts is underneath, because the separation is only the top layer of the abdominals, three layers underneath are actually still intact, but they might be very weak. And the, the way you know whether or not they're weak is by how soft they feel. So if they feel quite um, springy um, or even hard, if they feel hard, then that's a sign that they're, they're really, really strong and everything is cool, even if you've got... So you might have, for example, a two-finger gap or a three-finger gap, and it might be solid underneath. You know, it does happen. And that would, that would be what's called functional diastasis recti, functional abdominal separation. And that means that basically you can function perfectly all right with that separation. Uh, conversely, you might have somebody who only has a one and a half finger gap. So you kind of go, well, you know, that's, that's, that's not big, that's not a problem at all. It's not even really classified as diastasis recti. But it's very, very squidgy and soft inside that gap. And you feel like you can kind of like practically you know, carry it sort of like there's a hand in there. And that is telling you that everything is very, very weak underneath that top layer. And the way and what you notice is that if somebody has that weakness underneath, if they go off and start doing things like sit-ups or even you know a plank or even a full press-up, which requires a lot of more strength. Uh, when they do that, say they do the sit-up, where does the gap, you can imagine the gap is there between my fingers. When they do the sit-up, this is going to happen, it's going to kind of like pop upwards because it's not in that spot there, it's not knitted together and the underneath layer is basically loose. If you can imagine, it's like the deep abdominals are like a corset and that corset is loose and soft and squidgy. It's not keeping everything in. And so you go and do your sit-up, which produces resistance work, and up it pops. Now, if you can imagine, so I've never seen people do this. They, they're like, oh, well, my abs look different. I'm going to start doing loads and loads of sit-ups. And off they go, they start doing muscles. And every time they do the sit-ups, the abs go like that, out, out, and they're doming. And that's really unhelpful because they're actually going to, well, for start, every time you don't, you're literally pushing it up apart, so you're making it bigger. The second, you're liable to, like, literally give yourself a poochie abs, you know, instead of flat, you're going to be training a lot like that rather than flat. So it's, it's not a good plan. Um, so 
I really do advise people to to just yeah to get their arms checked. Um, I'm quite happy for people to contact me as a say to to die as a lot of women people that do my classes or anybody can come along to my session uh, where I check abs. Um, or even they can contact me and I can try and explain how to do it. And you may not be able to do it face to face if that's good. Um, and basically, depending on what I find with the abdominals, then you can start to give advice on, on the do's and don'ts. So, you know, if somebody's like doming upwards like that, that's a no no in terms of that exercise. So you have to then pare that exercise down. It might be that you don't do that exercise at all because it's always got a big gap. Um, and it's all squidgy inside, you know, you don't want to be doing assisted abdominal work, you want to be working those deep layers. Um, but basically, on the base of, basis of um, what I feel or what the person can feel, they can then judge what exercises they should be doing to try and strengthen things up again. So those deep, stabilising exercises that when you don't feel the burn, it doesn't feel like you're doing much, but you are actually tightening everything deep inside. Um, or, you know, if everything's fine, then you know, they, off they go, they can start doing so I think the best thing on that one really then is to see somebody who knows what they're doing like you or someone else that can do that check or at least assist with that check and then take sort of tailored advice because depending on how separated your abs are might make a difference as to what exercises are best yeah definitely uh yes definitely I mean it's not what you can't do it yourself um it's just that people often find it a little bit difficult and they don't quite know what they're feeling for. But I'm sure, I mean, I've certainly done videos, they're not on YouTube, they're just ones that sometimes I do, I stick in the first Facebook group. In fact, I do have a first Facebook group that has a video that explains quite clearly you know, how to get on with it and do it yourself. I'm quite happy for people to pop into that group and have a look. Um, but people just find it quite hard uh, to know what they're feeling or what it actually means. Um, yeah okay and then the final question is a bit of a two-part question so the first part is is it normal to for it to take longer for me to get my pre-baby body back if it's my second or third child and then the second part to that question is what are the best exercises to do to get that pre-baby body back okay so is it not well potentially if you've had um, two children close together, um, you know, say you've not, you're not going to have a good deal of time to get yourself back up to wherever you were pre-first pregnancy. So if you're layering another pregnancy on top of your first one and you weren't quite back to where you were before, then yes, it is going to be a little bit, you know, it's going to take a little bit more time. And, and you're going to notice things like a lot of people when they're expecting their second pregnant, uh, their second baby, they notice that they they start to show similar, you know, because the abdominals have already been stretched once, so everything like pops out. It's always happened for a lot of people pops out sooner. Um, but you know, I mean, just to, if I use myself as an example, I had my first two really close, well, relatively close together because I had 17 months between my first and the second. I didn't have to find, but basically I was pregnant or breastfeeding or both together for three years solid. And so, yes, um, after my second pregnancy, 
I, I was definitely kind of like bigger and unfitter, etc. Because I just didn't have that time uh, or the energy actually to, to get myself fit again. But then I had a big big gap between my second and third, and I went into my third pregnancy way way fitter than I even got into my first pregnancy. And I pinged back after my third really quickly. Um, I, 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 you know, you couldn't really tell particularly that I'd had a baby and yet it was my third. So actually, um, you know, this is an incentive for people to use the six months uh, pre-conception, pre uh, which is often what they say is like, if you know that you want to have a baby in a year's time, then, you know, use six months to get your nutrition sorted out and to get your fitness sorted out because it's going to give you a really good springboard for the pregnancy, for your baby, and then for you to recover postpartum and you will do so faster. Okay. And then, so for the, the second part of that then, is is there any particular type of exercise that is better to do to get that body back? I don't, I don't believe that. Um, well... It's that even if there is, if you hate it, you're not going to do it. Yeah. So, you know, it, what, what is the point? You know, maybe, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago, I might have said, yes, you all need to do weight training because weight training uh, builds your muscle mass. That increases your metabolism. It makes you more metabolically active and therefore you're going to burn more calories and definition, etc. And therefore that's the exercise to do. But you know what? Loads of people really hate being in a gym. They want to be outdoors. Um, they might be the runners. They might be team sport players. I want to do, you know, hockey or netball or whatever it is. And, and you know, my conclusion is that ultimately, if we don't do something we really love, we're not going to stick to it or we might for a while, but then we'll fall off the bandwagon. So I think that we should all try and find our fitness niche in the world and that we should do what we love because that's going to have longevity. And yes, you know, some forms of fitness, you know, for example, if you clearly, if you run marathons, you are going to burn an awful lot of calories because you know what? You're doing God knows how many hours of training a week, which is hard, not very compatible, by the way, with with parenting as in it's, it's quite hard to manage that but you know you are going to burn a lot of calories and potentially you know therefore lose weight but but that's just losing weight um you know but not all of us are designed to to run marathons and some of us want to do other stuff so um it, ultimately you know what it's it's your nutrition you know, 80% of what's going to happen to your body in terms of getting rid of baby weight, 80% is going to be down to how you eat. So if you can sort that out um, and get into a really good pattern with that, that's going to, and then do the exercise that you love, that's going to have a better result than, you, you, can't, you can't kind of out-exercise a bad diet, yeah? So that, maybe focus on that because that is something, I know it's, hard because we're busy when we've got little ones but at the same time you know there's it, it has a bigger goal eating really well and I mean exercise as well but eating really well within the family you are setting an example for your children 
yeah so there's no point in kind of like yes you know little tommy has to eat so and so but i'm going to eat something different because at some point little tommy's going to notice why is you know why are mum and dad having something completely different so that's something that potentially people can control more easily and you don't have to take time out for it because it's something we have to do every day anyway um and then the exercise do you know do do what do what you love you know i mean when i i always ask i'm really curious about what people do when, um, in for in terms of uh, pre-pregnancy exercise and i always ask people and, and my goodness you know the range is huge you know from martial arts through to hockey through to as i say marathon running weight training crossfit you name it the main thing is just finding the right pathway back into it so that it's safe for you and you're not going to injure yourself yeah i think especially when you've got a newborn and especially if you know you've got more children on top of that you've got to find the time to do these exercises and if you're not enjoying it you're not going to find the time and also then you're I guess also you're wasting time if you're doing something that's not enjoyable when time is very limited anyway yeah definitely mm. um perfect that was all the, the questions that we had so thank you so much Joe, for all of your wisdom and expertise we'll share all your details again when this um episode is live on our podcast and anyone that wants to speak to you or get in touch with you we'll make sure your details are on there too yeah, everyone's welcome to. I'm always happy to, to help people with their fitness pre and postnatally because it's it's an amazing thing. It, it's a, it's it's huge in terms of how it can help people with their mental well-being. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really, really important for people to feel good in themselves and, um, you know, feel confident that what they're doing is the right thing for their body as well. Definitely. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. <laughs>